Thank you, Pastor, and praise the Lord, everybody. Thank you, Pastor Hughes. There's just nobody like you. You're such a kind person and a wonderful person, and I appreciate the prayers tonight. It means so much to me. I thank you so much for that. It's just uh, it's a blessing. And uh, my wife and I, we try to make the best of a situation. We kind of we try to laugh sometimes to keep from crying. We learn how to laugh a lot together. I heard something on the radio today. I can't wait to get home to tell her. It was a real 911 call. Maybe, maybe you heard it. They played it all over the country. This poor country boy down in Florida, his wife got attacked by a warthog. And they played that. They played the actual tape. He said, 911 operator says, uh, hello? He said, yes, ma'am, is this 911? He said, my wife's been gored by a warthog and she's bleeding everywhere. You've got to come, come right now. And, and I'm, I'm afraid she's hurt seriously. And ended up she wasn't hurt seriously. It's just a let you know if you want to get too serious about this. And she said, well, sir, w w what's your address? He said, it's 231 Eucalyptus. She said, can you spell Eucalyptus? And he, spent, he went, uh, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to drag her one block over to Hope Street. <laughs> Talk to pick her up there. <laughs> he lived one block from Hope Street, so he drug her over to Hope Street because he could spell hope. Amen. So I'm going to tell Gloria, we, we live on a street that's hard to spell. If anything happens to her, I'm going to drag her over to uh, two streets over. <laughs> Amen. They can pick her up there. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Tell you one thing, there's nothing wrong with laughing a little bit, is there? I like what I feel in this church. Every time that I walk in here, I feel the presence of the Lord. And I thank God for the privilege to be here and to minister tonight. And I feel like the Lord would love to fill somebody with the baptism of the Holy Ghost tonight in this service. I really feel like he would. I really feel like the Lord is going to speak to some people. He has, through the worship, it's wonderful singing, beautiful worship. He has already spoken. I want to call your attention to Luke, the 16th chapter, to an old story. It's not a parable. It's really a story. The reason that it's not identified as a parable, as though some think it's a parable, in parables, the names of characters are never mentioned. Evidently, Jesus spoke this out of the memory that he had of maybe actually knowing a real man named Lazarus. Listen to what he says. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus who was laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, or hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, said, and, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. I won't read the rest of it, but there's a reversal of circumstances that happens to these two men that are mentioned in this story. And the concept and the whole idea of the message tonight. I just want to ask you the question. Just to think for a moment. 
I want to provoke you to thought tonight, wherever you are and whoever you are, whatever age you are, to think for a moment what God has laid at your gate. What has God laid at your gate? Pastor, would you ask the Lord to speak to us tonight? Hallelujah. And everybody said in Jesus' name, thank you for standing. You may be seated. Now, those of you that know me know that I don't take a long time. I'm not going to take a long time tonight. I, I, I want to appeal to somebody tonight because I've always been interested in the unfolding saga and drama that happens when you study the scriptures that describe the many and diverse ways that God strives to get our attention, to communicate with us. That's basically what the whole Bible is all about, God communicating with, with men, whether it be in history or prophesying of things that will happen in the future. The whole purpose for the Word of God being delivered to us is to unlock certain doors through keys that are given in the Scriptures that, that tell us that give us inclinations and little innuendos so we can see the many diverse ways that God tries to communicate with us. Because that's the real thing about life. That's all that life is. Life, when you look at life, just at face value, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's here today and gone tomorrow. So many things have happened in the last six months that for which... In this life, there is no explanation to see children die, to see wonderful men and women die for no apparent reason. And, and, and then every now and then you get to question, how in the world, God, why would you allow this one to die and you let this piece of garbage over here live for 95 years? Why would you? And, you know, every now and then God has to pull you back and say, let me tell you something. Life is a joke. It's a vapor that appears for a short time and then it's gone. But this is what, li what life really is. It's having a rendezvous with the will of God in your life. That's all that really matters. And, 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 and there's so many factors that go into that. That's why it's important how you live. That's why it's important who you marry. That's why it's important what you allow to be pumped into your brain. That's why it's important that you find a house of God to attach yourself to. That's why it's important to have godly leadership in your life. This young man talked about the pastor feeding you through masterpieces. That's an important thing in your life, to come to a house of God where somebody actually preaches the word. All of these things lead you to that place to where you can see what God is trying to do in your life. Now, Jesus said it better than any of us can say it. And he said it in a story. He said, this is what it's all about. This is what life, this is a microcosm of life, these few scriptures. He says, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know what it would be to live a day without 
having to worry about money. Because I'm going to tell you, there's some, somebody said, you know, money won't buy happiness. But I will tell you this, it will rent it for a long time. Amen. Isn't that true? <laughs> Let's be honest. It won't buy it, but it'll rent it for a long time. And anybody that tells you that all rich people are miserable, they're not telling you the truth. That's people that's never had a lot of money. But it's not the answer all to everything. It's not. It's not. But here's a rich man that had that Midas touch. Everything he touched turned to profit and gold. I've known people like that. And he fared sumptuously every day. He had the finest of everything. Clothed in purple and fine linen. Living in a beautiful estate. Everything that he had. Everything that he touched. He was successful. And then you have the antithesis. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus who was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Let me tell you something. Do you see the picture painted here? You got this rich man that seemingly has everything, that can do no wrong, that has never, never wanted for anything in his life, seemingly has, I mean, the, the dream, living the dream, and going to pass it on to his children. And then at his gate, you have the exact opposite. You have a beggar, and he, he stinks. He, he's unshaven. He's unkept. And on top of all that, he's full of sores from the top of his head to the sole of his seat. He's, he's covered in nasty, filthy boils and sores. The Bible says that he was desiring to be fed with the garbage which was placed outside every day or crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. That's the Bible's polite way of saying that he was out there and basically he was sift through the garbage with the dogs trying to find some leftovers worthy of him to eat. And he, he was no chooser. He ate what he found in the garbage. And moreover, in his condition... The only living creatures on that great estate that paid him any attention were the dogs that were fighting for the same food in the same garbage. And the Bible says he befriended them, evidently, and they came and they licked his sores. Incredible story. Two polar opposites. Every day, the Bible doesn't go into explicit detail, but you can use your imagination. Every day as that rich man went to his office, he walked right out that front gate. And beggars always found themselves to places where they thought there would be some leftovers. And so every day he was laid daily at the gate, hoping that he could get some attention, maybe get something more than just a, some crumbs. And that's the story that life painted. You know, some people think that if you're in the will of God, you're going to be rich. And that there's this, you know, this, this new neo-Pentecostal charismatic stuff, which, by the way, is dying in case you didn't know it. It's dying. People are sick and tired. There's no substance to it. There's no life to it. It's just all a bunch. It's a, it's a flash in the pan, and there's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's falling apart at the seams. There are literally hundreds and hundreds of churches for sale in America now that were built less than 10 years ago that seat four and 5,000 people 
on overnight successes of these word, charismatic, neo-Pentecostal, fake it till you make it, name it, claim it churches. And now they've returned to dust. And they're for sale now. And that's, that's I'm going to tell you something, that's not what God intended the church to be. That's not what he intended the church to be. And, and here, here you got this guy. He's got everything. And then you got this guy. He's got nothing. And every day on his way to Wall Street, on his way to read the business section of the Wall Street Journal, here's a guy that steps over a beggar. Smelly, unshaven, everything that this man was, this man was not. So he never gave him the time of day. Never believed for one moment. This story does not even identify one time when he gave him even a moment's glance. He became a part of the scenery. Nothing can stop me on my way to success. But the Bible says it came to pass. That the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes. Let me tell you something right now. You know what the Bible says, Pastor, that he was laid at the gate daily? You know, it was the will of God for that man to be laid there. Because the last place that this rich man would think to ask for any kind of advice would be from an unseemly beggar that represented everything that he really despised. Failure, uncleanliness, unsuccess, a, la a lack of succeeding in all your efforts. This guy, what could this guy teach me? What could he tell me? It just so happened that God placed something inside that beggar that could have given that rich man something much more than he had in earth. And so it was God who laid him at that gate every day. And actually the whole key to this rich man's life was, son, sooner or later I'm hoping you're going to stop and look beyond the beard and look beyond the dirty clothes and look beyond the sores and look beyond the poverty and see that this man has something that I need. But he never did that in life. And in eternity, there was a role reversal. You know, in all these types and shadows and all these scriptorians and scholars that we have in the last days, why can't some people wake up and see that in many instances, the Bible says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. In many instances, you look and you find out that actually eternity is the exact reversal of what life is. This guy was successful. This guy touched everything and it turned to gold. This guy had no need. Another guy needed everything and had nothing. But he had something on the inside. I'm going to tell you something right now. Spiritual anointing and peace in the Holy Ghost has not got one thing to do with outward success. I mean, I believe God wants you to be successful and I believe God wants you to succeed. But just because that you don't have a million dollars doesn't mean you can't serve God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. <coughs> Somebody say, I believe that tonight. <laughs> Even Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. 
I'm not saying that we should glorify poverty. I'm not saying we should advertise. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is that we've got to stop and realize that God might be laying some things at our gate and we've got to stop for just a moment and realize on our way to be something great, uh, while we're pursuing things in life, maybe God wants to stop us for just a minute and say, hey, I want you to look and see. What, what is it? You can think in your life. I can tell you. I don't have to look far back in mind to tell you what God laid at my gate. <clears throat> well, when I was a teenager, when I was 18, I thought I was the smartest man on earth. My dad couldn't tell me anything. My mother couldn't tell me anything. I had my life mapped out. I knew what I was going to do. I was going to live the way I wanted to live. I didn't care what mama did. I didn't care what daddy did. I'd been to church all my life. I'd prayed. I even had the Holy Ghost. But I had figured out some things. I wasn't going to live the way everybody else had to live. I was going to do what I wanted to do. And I don't care. You can preach all you want to. And you can speak in tongues all you want to. And you can prophesy on me. I'm going to do things my way. <coughs> I had to figure it out. I was the smartest man that ever lived. <coughs> Anybody ever been there? Then why are you laughing at me for? You've been there too, haven't you? Mama come to my bedroom at night. She couldn't sing a lick. She, she sang loud, though, in church. Back when they had songs you could sing, when there wasn't 10,000 words to every verse. We're just, we're just old-timers, aren't we, Brother Hughes? I, I couldn't memorize some of these songs. That's why you have to have them. We didn't have to put them on the wall because we could memorize the songs. You could memorize these songs today. Amen. And my mama would sing so loud and... And every now and then it embarrassed me because we went to a small church and she'd get off key and everything and I'd kind of slide farther down the, the pew. And that's just the way that it was. But, you know, my, God did two things to me. This, this, this guy that had it all figured out. He put a grandma and a mother. A little old grandma that walked around in an apron all day long. Grandpa was dead and gone, 85 years old. Every morning before I went to school, when Grandma lived with us, she'd come in there and she'd lay across that bed. And she'd say, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood to cover my baby. Don't let the devil have him. I, that used to make me so mad. My God, she's made. I tried to get up early. I couldn't get up earlier than she. She'd get up early. If I, if I set my clock an hour earlier, she'd, she'd find out about it. Then I'd go to bed at night. My little old mother would come in there. She wasn't little, but she was a mother. And she came in there. <laughs> she, she was a big mama. She's still, she's still a big mama. 91 years old, and I'm still, I still call her and talk to her almost every day. She'd come and lay across that bed and pray for me in Jesus' name. And I thought I was going to be, I thought I was going to be a superstar athlete. I thought I was going to be the smartest guy on the face of the earth. And I look back now, and I see God took two. Uh, my, my mother had a fifth-grade education, and my grandmother never went to school a day in her life. And God put those two women in my life, and they pled the blood over me every day, every day. And, Brother Hughes, I, I tried to destroy myself, and God would not allow me to destroy myself because God laid at my gate a mom and a grandma that I didn't think were very smart, but they pled the blood over my soul every day. Every day. I stepped over them every day and they just kept on coming back. They kept coming back and kept coming back. And I'm standing behind this pulpit tonight.
Not because of some great preacher. Not because of some great ministry. Not because of some great church. Because God laid a little old grandma and a little mama at my, at my gate. And said, we're not going to let this boy go to hell. Praise God. Hallelujah. I wonder what he's laid at your gate. I know some people think, oh, you Pentecostals, y'all are crazy. You're, you're so emotional and you got all this tongue talking and all this. You know, why, if y'all are so right, why aren't your churches bigger and why don't y'all have more money and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tell you something. If that's what you're looking for, you're looking for the wrong thing. It could be that God has put somebody in your, in your life to lead you to this church where you can have something that will change your eternal destiny. I'm going to tell you something. One of these days, I'm going to shout the streets of glory because I had a grandmother and a mama that wouldn't let me go. Thank you, God, for putting them at my gate. What is he laid at your gate? I said, what is he laid at your gate? Somebody praise the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We've become so sophisticated. So, so sophisticated. Getting away. We don't want to offend people. We don't want to offend people. We don't want to, we want to preach too much conviction. We don't want to sing, you know, certain songs. We don't want to. We don't want people to really let go and worship anymore because it might offend some people. And you don't realize it, but that so many people are looking for something. Looking for something to change their life. They're looking. I thought while the pastor was talking tonight, when you look in the 14th chapter of Mark, you read the story of Mary of Bethany. She's in, she's in the house of Simon the leper. You know what they're doing? They're having this big meeting. All these men are meeting together, and, they, and they're, 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 they've created a hospitable atmosphere for the Lord Jesus to come and to visit and to talk and to, to pray. <clears throat> and the disciples, they're, they're, they, there's this big box, alabaster box, full of precious oil perfume that's worth a lot of money. <clears throat> so while these men are all there making all these plans, Mary, who was an impetuous woman, walked over and broke open that box, broke the seal on that box, and the, the aroma of that perfume filled the atmosphere, and she anointed Jesus with that oil. And uh, immediately the whole nature of the meeting in the room was changed. It was a bizarre, seemingly unnecessary, needless act. So the men say, after the initial surprise of this blast of this beautiful fragrance, they said, what in the world has this woman done? We could have taken this and sold it for 300 denarii and given the money to the poor. And the Bible even says, you know who said that? Guess who said that? Judas said that. Always thinking about money. And anytime you hear a politician talk about the poor, they don't care about the poor. They're just trying to get reelected. That's all there is to it. And you, Judas, the Bible even says it, was, it wasn't because he cared about the poor. He was mad because this lady did something that was very impressive. And so Jesus rebuked the men, applauded the act, 
And then at the conclusion of the story, the very next verse says that Judas went out and made an appointment to betray Jesus. He left that meeting and he went and finalized his plans to betray Jesus with the, with the leaders of Israel. Now, now think about this. Everybody says, you're too extravagant. Why do you have to all be shouting and tongue talking this bizarre act? There is a, there is a purpose for extravagance. Amen. Let me tell you, the worst thing that could have happened to the New Testament church would be drag Judas into it. He was manipulative. He only cared about money. He was a control freak. And so what Jesus did, he used the act of a woman that was willing to praise the Lord without restraints. And it so got on that guy's nerve, it pushed Judas over the edge. So what I'm saying is, if you want to keep the Judases out of your life, don't ever forget to praise him in an unscripted fashion. You can't, I mean, you can't map out our services on a program sometimes. We've got to have praise that comes spontaneously. Every now and then we got to go marry on everybody and say, hey, I don't care who it offends. I don't care whose nerves I get on. I'm going to do something that's going to make somebody mad. I'm going to praise God tonight. Come on, somebody praise him tonight. You can chase the Judases right out of your life. Woo, somebody praise him tonight. I kind of feel like somebody's sitting on a paddock. You really want to praise God tonight, but you're afraid it'll make you look foolish. Forget about how it's going to make you look. Come on. Give him some extravagant praise tonight. Come on, don't be afraid to praise him tonight. God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost right now. If you don't know what you're feeling, just lift your hands and say, God, I want to receive what you have for me right now. If you've never clapped your hands, if you've never raised your voice, if you've never lifted your hands, come on, receive what God has for you. You can receive the Holy Ghost right where you are right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, break the box. Oh, hallelujah. It already feels different in here. Hallelujah. Somebody's breaking the box. I can smell the fragrance. Woo. What is he laid at your gate? Oh, Amasanda Yalaboshata. What is he laid at your gate? Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to find out how much courage you got. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I wish you'd come and stand here right now. 
Praise God. I, I'm going to tell you, I wish you'd be bold. Hallelujah. God has laid this church. In, he's laid this church in your life right now. He's put this church in your life right now. Hallelujah. For a reason. If you need a miracle, I want you to come. God's got a miracle for you tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Why don't you reach over to someone and say, come on, let's go and get, let's get our miracle tonight. If you need anything from the Lord, why don't you come right now and say, come, I want to come get it right now. Come on, step out of the norm. Step out of the ordinary.